Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Central. How are you doing? This is Dusty Rhodes and welcome to Tech Radio with all the latest in tech around Ireland and across the world. Thank you for downloading from our website at techcentral.ie onto your smartphone using your favourite podcast app or listening on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Joining me as ever is Tech Central editor Niall Kitson and this is our show where we're looking back on the top stories of 2015. Overall, Niall, did you think it was a good year, uh, an exciting year? kind of a bit of a nondescript year or just average? Well, I mean, I went back uh, through the website to have a look at what happened this year because when it comes to December, you're always kind of like, well, you know, what what exactly happened, you know, really? And I went back and actually it was a really busy year in tech. So this is going to be a really busy show, which is great. Well, listen, let me ta- 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 start it off with what my top story of the year is. Uh, and it's, it, uh, it's all about the terror attacks during the year and the tech side of it. So the most recent attacks are the attacks in uh, November in Paris. It's kind of like the one that really kind of struck me as, as interesting because, as we know, ISIS are using the web to recruit and communicate with fighters and they're using all these kind of, like they're using WhatsApp and uh, and other messaging-type services, which are highly encrypted. And this is how they're able to organise their activities. Um and I think it's interesting uh, that you have governments now kind of saying, well, obviously we need to be able to monitor these communications, so take off the encryption on WhatsApp and all of the other messaging services and Facebook, who own WhatsApp, and uh, Google and all these people, and Apple are kind of going, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> because they're thinking about, you know, the 99.9% of people who use their stuff uh, and quite legally and normally. Um so I think there's an interesting play there between where the governments are trying to get access to encrypted tech using the uh, the whole terror thing as as their way in. Um, and and if you think I'm being paranoid about governments, you know, kind of just wanting to sit on people's data and being having access to it, we have the huge story about safe harbor during the year. We do, yeah, and it's kind of when you have safe harbor explained to you, you think. How on earth was this passed in the first place? You know, <laughs> I, I mean, it's it's a it's an agreement that dates thousands. You know, when the internet was largely a very different place to what it is now. So when people were talking about, oh yes, yes, well, we're friendly nations, we will assume that you treat your data in the exact same way we treat your data. That's fine. Of course, there is there is a massive cultural shift between uh, the states and Europe, which we found out where Europe they're very much pro regulation. In America, they're much more pro and light touch regulation and there's just been this complete culture clash so you have businesses in America going uh, yeah you know you gave us your data this is kind of ours to do with as we please that's Facebook's business model Uh, and you know you can trust us that your data is safe only to find out that all these websites that you've been using have backdoors that have been exploited by the NSA so pretty much any time you've been talking about you know isn't it terrible what's going on in the Middle East? You've probably popped up on a watch list at some stage uh, and there's nothing you could do about it. Whereas in Europe, it's very much in the mold of, well, no, hang on, we're a government, we look after our citizens first. You're doing, you're using their information for commercial reasons. That's not our job. Uh, So we're going to make sure we're going to keep our citizens as safe as possible. And if you guys aren't pulling your weight in terms of regulation and uh, spying on people, well, guess what? We are actually going to do it. And we're going to say, you know what? Your standards just 
aren't up to ours. Therefore, this this um, this agreement is effectively null and void, uh, which presented immense problems for, say, uh, young startups trying to uh, Europe, where they effectively have to deal with two separate data protection regimes. And that's a problem that's going to really play out over the next 12 months, is finding that that, that nice sweet spot where businesses can operate in Europe uh, without, sort of, but can still serve as maybe in the States. So right now, if you're an American company and you want to deal in Europe, you are much better off having your servers in Europe and regulated in Europe, and then uh, working on uh, working within the states. That way, you're complying to harsher data protection measures, which is sort of a much better safety valve uh, than sort of hoping on uh, the light touch. Well, I think there's, it's interesting that you say that because I think when you look at the two different regimes, if you like, uh, the EU and the US on, on, on the other hand, is the EU seems to be very much on the side of its citizens in saying, well, no, that's our citizens' data and we protect our citizens first and da, 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 and all. Whereas the US seems to be the opposite. It's like, no, we, we need access to this stuff. It kind of, mm, it's a bit of a culture clash there. I, I, another example of the EU, I think, doing a good job in, in the uh, tech side of things is they're bringing in the, the single digital market, which is one thing that they really want to do. So when you're using your mobile phone anywhere in the EU Union, it will be the same cost as when you use it at home. Uh, they're trying to, you know, keep the cost the same for phone calls, also for data roaming. They're trying to get rid of that. They're trying to get it set up so that with copyright um, uh, restrictions, they're trying to remove them within the EU, which means you can bring Netflix on holidays or if it lift the restrictions on music streaming if you have them on, on, on your servers and stuff. So actually, I kind of like the way the EU think. <laughs> I'm glad I live here. Yeah, and, and, you know, the removal of geo-blocking would be absolutely huge. I mean, mm. the difference between using Netflix across countries, I mean, it is a completely different experience when you're in the States using Netflix. It's totally different. It's only uh, Netflix, I think it's future. And you might remember when we were talking to Reed Hastings all those years ago when Netflix was coming over to Ireland and opening up, he said that their competition isn't really Sky, Move, Sky Movies because Sky Movies have the massive catalogue and, you know, Netflix is pretty much, you didn't want to say, you know, the, the distributor of the last resort, but, you know, you, you don't go on to Netflix looking for first-run movies. You kind of have to wait. He said that their competition is Sky Atlantic and they were looking towards creating their own range of prestige shows. And you know what? Jessica Jones, Daredevil, bringing back Longmire, uh, finishing up The Killing, they supported the fall that um, uh, co-production. Uh, you know they are they are doing it, and they do. And uh, like HBO before it, they don't have to worry about advertising. They have to worry about keeping subscribers and bringing in subscribers. So you know when you watch a show like Daredevil, you're like, there is no way this could have been made on network TV. Um, and maybe the idea of a superhero show just it wouldn't be a good fit for mm. AMC or a, even. No, they have to walk dead, granted. Um, but a, a superhero show wouldn't work, really work on AMC. It wouldn't work on HBO. I know we're going through a renaissance of sort of young adult uh, superhero shows like Supergirl and The Flash. But um, Daredevil and Jessica Jones are much darker shows and, and uh, appeal to an adult audience that really wouldn't be into, say, comic books before. Have you watched either of these shows, Dusty? I have to ask you. I haven't. No, not my thing. Do they they will surprise you. You don't have to be into superheroes. <laughs> yes, mom, I'll do that. <laughs> Tell me, um, what else have you got on your list as one of the top stories of 2015? Okay, well, how can we not talk about Windows 10? Ah, <laughs> good on you. I've I've got a, I've got a top three hits list, and Windows 10 is definitely one of those. Why do you like Windows 10? 
uh, well, it's interesting that you frame it as, why do I like Windows 10? I mean, the, the question really is, why should I upgrade from Windows 7? Because Windows 7 is still the most widely used operating system in the world. 56% of, of PCs out there still run Windows 7. There is nothing wrong with it. People are really annoyed by Windows 8. Uh, Windows 8.1 in its, its current form accounts for 11.1% of the uh, operating system market. XP still accounts for 10.5%. So, you know, they, there is an uphill battle. So as of today, uh, Windows 10 now only accounts for 9% of the OS market. Now, that's kind of disappointing when you look at the fact that every time you switch on your, your Windows 7, Windows 8 PC, a little pop-up shows up going, time to upgrade, it's safer, it's faster, it's more brillianter, um, come to Windows 10. But when you're already using Windows 7, which is a pretty safe and fast operating system, uh, why would you bother? Now, this isn't to say that Windows 10 is bad. I, mean, I think it's quite nice, actually. I quite, I quite like using Windows 10. It's just I don't see the reason to upgrade from Windows 7 to Windows 10. I, uh, you, were, you were a bit of a stuckist with Windows XP for a while, Dusty. Uh, I mean, did, did you uh, – you begrudgingly left – I gather. <laughs> I still have one machine uh, running XP, um, and then the rest of them are either running uh, Windows 7 or uh, Windows 10 or Mac, I hate to say. <laughs> um, but what I liked about uh, Windows is, like, Microsoft, I think, can just get things spectacularly right. Uh, going back to Windows 311, Excellent operating system and, and wildly popular. Then they came in with uh, uh, the Windows 95. That did well. Windows XP was just a, 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 a raging success. Uh, then oh, we had Windows Vista. Oh, my God. I don't even want I still have nightmares. Um, and then we got, of course, Windows 7 was good. I think now that they went through, once again, a disaster with Windows 8, they've come back fighting. Windows 10, great operating system, all right? Uh, so, Fair juice to them for getting it right, firstly. But secondly, I love the fact that it's like, okay, we got it right. It's fantastic. And guess what, guys? It's free. Even if you've got a dodgy, pirated, torrented copy of Windows, log on and just take it legally. Windows 10, you got it. Because you're building the platform. And and it's like... um, I always, you're going to hate me saying this, but I always recommend buying Macintosh and Apple products for old people because old people do what they're told and things will work together. So like, you know, kind of my dad's Christmas present, uh, he's getting an iPad from one person, he's getting an iPhone from another person, uh, probably a MacBook from somebody else or whatever, right? Um, but the point being is that all three of them will work together because they're, they're, um, Macintosh software. Windows are doing the same thing now. Finally, they have Windows 10 for your, for your PC, then you've got one for your, your Surface Pro, you've got another one for your Windows phone, and they should all, in theory, work seamlessly together. And I think, Fair play, Microsoft, well done. Yeah, well, that, that we're stuck with Windows 10. Like, Windows 10 is the last version of Windows in, in terms of the re- release cycle, as we know. Mm. From, from henceforth, it's just going to be updates to Windows 10. So uh, that's a change. And also, if you're an app developer, Windows 10 is great news as well, because it's actually one platform. Your app will work on pretty much any factor once you once it's properly developed. Now, Windows Mobile isn't properly there yet, um, but uh, it's going to happen, which I think is a, a great developer. 
given that you know Windows Mobile hasn't really been attracting app mm. developers, uh, I, th- I think that's a, it's really important. True. Listen, tons of things to get through. My uh, other things on my hit list uh, that were good this year was the Samsung Gear VR, which I tried out, uh, where you can put your Note 4. Or they've brought out a, a cheaper version now. Uh, it's about 100 quid, uh, where it'll work with your Note 5 or with your Samsung Galaxy 6, I believe, as well. And essentially, you put your phone into this virtual reality headset and you can see how it works. It's awesome. Just go do it. Try it in a store. You, you, you'll thank me forever. And also, uh, another the other hit on my list was the movie The Martian. Why The Martian? Because it's, it? because it's science fiction and it's science fiction well done. It was like Interstellar the, the year before. It was like Gravity the year before that. There seems to be like one really good, like spacey, science fiction-y kind of a movie coming out a year now. Um, and I love that. I mean, I could watch one a week. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that kind of brings us to elephant in the room territory. Then, if Uh-oh. you're going to say the Martian, I gotta say the Force Awakens. Okay, that's you know. I, now I haven't seen it yet. I have my no. Tickets. And I'm, you know, the funny thing is, I'm not actually. I'm I'm, I'm going to wait until the middle of January and just wait for all the queues to die down and all that kind of stuff. I'm just not sold on. And I am a Star Wars fan, but well, we've been burned three times. Well, <laughs> there you go. Basically. Experience, experience is, is is teaching us. Tell me, what else have you got on your uh, on your list of big stories of 2015? Okay, well, uh, on a local level, I think we we have to mention the uh, the last web summit in Dublin mm. uh, and all the furore that that happened around <laughs> it. Well, what's really interesting is that I do, just the short version. Uh, this year was the last year of the Dublin Web Summit. The uh, summit is moving. to Lisbon. Uh, And this came on the back of, effectively, the summit organisers made a list of demands. Uh, They made a blue sky list of demands and tried to follow them up and were, for my money, perhaps talking to the wrong people. They were looking to get onto the Department of the Taoiseach. Um, There was an actual action plan uh, based uh, from Dublin City Council, I gather, but it was never followed up on. So, it just seemed that there was this ceiling where the organisers could get no further, mm. whether you know, through talking to the wrong people or the right people just weren't interested. However, uh, so as a result, the uh, organisers said, uh, that was Paddy Cosgrave, and basically just said, well, we've had enough. Uh, we've got this offer from Lisbon. They're offering us, uh, I think it's 1.3 million over three years to bring the event over there. They've got a better infrastructure. They've promised us better Wi-Fi, we've got more room, uh, which I think is a big issue this year. I mean, uh, having gone to the summit for the three days, I mean, they take over the entire RDS. I mean, they, they do the main building and they've still got a bunch of marquees up as well. So it had a, outgrown the venue and there probably wasn't anywhere else in the city that, that could handle it. So to move, I think, was on the cards anyway. Well, but, uh, yep, go uh, ahead. No, I was just going to say that I think it's very much a, an Irish condition that because, you know, we do things and, you know, quite rightly, we think that we are a great little country. And we are a great little country and we have great people and we're very popular around the world. However, the Irish condition is is that we run away with how great we actually are because we're not really that great. And I think something like Web Summit kind of shows up the little faults. It's like, you know, things can grow and grow and grow. But when it gets to a certain level, you've got to start playing with bigger boys. And I think Web Summit sums that up perfectly. Uh, yeah, that's probably it. It's it's just a shame that the that the event is leaving mm. under uh, under such acrimony, you know. Uh, but what's going to be interesting is when it moves to Lisbon. To what extent was the Dublin Web Summit 
of Dublin. I mean, did, did people come over here to, you know, so, to go to Summit to network, but to also enjoy the city as well? Because where they're going, it's, you know, it's, it's not in the middle of Lisbon, you know. The yeah. purpose-built conference centre with a bunch of hotels around it. Yeah, no, I think uh, from from I, I would have gone to a lot of these conferences over the years, and one of the big things uh, that conference organisers uh, do emphasise is the city where it's taking place. And you will get a number of like one of the conferences I go to will be in Milan one year, it'll be in Barcelona another year, it'll be in London another year. They actually had it in Dublin one year, but haven't been since. Um, and what other cities do they go to? Uh, I can't remember. They seem to go through anyway. Milan and Barcelona and London seem to be. And Paris, I think, is another one. So, yeah. and, and, you know, uh, the uh, Mobile World Congress is in Barcelona. Well, don't forget. Or um, CES coming up next month in uh, Las Vegas. Well, we'll have more on uh, that in 2016. Uh, another couple of things that I had on my list. Uh, let me give you my fails for the year, shall I? Okay. <laughs> Aircom's new name. Air. <laughs> Money well spent. <sighs> Sucking silicone, I'm afraid. Uh, Facebook and their whole uh, uh, emoji thing. Driving me okay. nuts, right? For years, it was Facebook, like button. And then, of course, somebody would kind of go, I feel terrible because my cat died. And all you could do was like. <laughs> so <laughs> so people just wanted, like, is there something I can put in where I don't like? Do you know what I mean? And uh, their solution yeah. was to give us 47 billion emojis. And now my Facebook looks like a child's playroom. I hate it. Uh, and then the other fail is music streaming services. Now, as you oh, know. Oh, that's, that's controversial. Okay, well, no, it's not controversial at all. Listen to me. Uh, uh, Spotify have been out there. They've been doing it for years. A lot of people. I've been a customer for a long time, and I think it's great. Apple came along with Apple Music. Okay, very much a me too product. You know, Apple normally take things that have been done before and make them even better and simpler. On this occasion, no, they didn't. The only thing they did was they made the subscription better by saying a family subscription for six people for fifteen dollars a month, as opposed to a tenner each, which I thought was quite good. But other than that, eh. and then the other course disaster was Jay-Z. Do you remember his Tidal music oh, service? Tidal. Well, as soon as he started talking about bad music streaming services, <laughs> I was thinking Tidal straight so away. So there you go. Looking at those two big launches during uh, 2015, I think uh, Spotify are going to sit back and have themselves a very happy Christmas. What else is on your list? Okay. Uh, let's let's talk security breaches because there was two big ones during the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of which I think is on your list. And the one that I want to talk about is what happened with TalkTalk. TalkTalk um, Talk being a, a mobile phone service provider in England. Uh, they were hacked. Uh, initially, it was thought that, you know, millions of files are compromised. It turns out that some 21,000 bank accounts, uh, bank account numbers, now these are not entire numbers, right? So nobody was actually in danger of being robbed blind from this, but 21,000 bank accounts, 28,000 credit cards, 1.2 email addresses, all leaked. They reckon it'll cost £35 million to clean up all damage. Five arrests were made. Get this. A 15-year-old Antrim, a 16-year-old from Feltham, a 20-year-old from Staffordshire, another 16-year-old from Norwich, and an 18-year-old from Clanetley. Once again, the adolescent male proves itself the most dangerous demographic on the internet. <laughs> well, may, maybe, uh, maybe not. I, I sold a bit of electronic gear that needed some software uh, to go with it. Uh, and a very, very nice kid, 18 years of age, and he seems to have his head together and he's, he's doing things for himself. Uh, and he rang me later that night, I can't install the software. <laughs> it's like a... 
Use your brain. <laughs> no, hire that one up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, oh, now, speaking of which, actually, the other massive uh, uh, hack during the year was the data dump from uh, Ashley Madison. Yeah, now, what I thought was really funny about this was I, how many million records were allegedly leaked here? Oh, uh, it- enough to make a lot of people very worried. It, it was in the millions, right? Mm. I mean, they, they, it was basically their entire customer database. Mm. And yeah, a lot of people were really freaked out. But then the more people sort of had a look at what was what the profiles were, the more little things started sticking out about the company and its business model. I mean, you might remember that people sort of went, oh, hang on, how many of these profiles are actually genuine? How many of these profiles are actually from women? <laughs> so it, it turned out that the majority of people that had signed up for a website that promised, well, not promised, but offered you the opportunity to have an extra manner to affair was mostly married men. You know, married men, not a lot of women, <laughs> an awful lot of fake profiles. Um, it ended up that yeah. this massive data breach affected a comparatively small amount of people. I know. From what I remember, and I'm going off the top of my head, it was something like uh, of all the people who used Ashley Madison, 5% were female. And of those 5%, half of them were fake accounts. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was something yeah. like that, like, you know, so uh, uh, I thought it was funny. I have one last one, and okay. that is an interview that we did. If you want to look back on it, it's August 21st is uh, when we had it back in the summer with a guy called Frank Ahern, um, an American guy with uh, uh, Irish, Irish blood in him somewhere along the line. But he wrote a book called How to Disappear. Um and I just thought it was fascinating because we live in such a, a digitally connected world that you actually forget how connected you are. And normally you kind of go, well, you know, if I wanted to get off grid, I'd just have to do this, this and this. And then you read this guy's book, How to Disappear, and you see all of the things that you're not even considering. And you're going, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like really interesting. And then, of course, I mean, if you really did want to disappear or if you wanted to fantasize about disappearing, and I know speaking of Ashley Madison, <laughs> there's probably quite a few men who'd like, oh, if I could only disappear tomorrow. Uh, a really, really fascinating book. Uh, Frank Ahern, How to Disappear, if you want to do a quick Google search, or you can listen to the podcast, which is, uh, itself was amazing. Uh, August 21st is the date on our website at uh, techcentral.ie. What's your last one for today, Not. Uh, okay, yeah, just two interviews I'd like to mention. And, and this is ahead of uh, a playlist that we're going to release on techcentral.ie where we're just going to put together uh, some of the shows that we've been talking about and some of our other favorite shows of the year. Hmm. Um, I would like to mention two interviews that I did, one with Gaia Dempsey of Daiquiri, which is an augmented reality company, and one with uh, Andrew Key, who is the uh, uh, head of Silicon Valley Robotics. Uh, I was talking to her during the Web Summit. They're two really insightful, really interesting interviews, and I recommend if if you haven't heard it before or if you've only heard it once, go back and listen to them. They're great. Grand. Well, listen, uh, lots of people have plenty of time off, so uh, you'll be putting that post up on our website at techcentral.ie. Do check it out when it's up. That's it from our look back at the big stories of 2015. What will 2016 have to offer? Mm, well, we'll just have to uh, have a program all about that on Friday, January the 8th, when our guest is going to be a futurologist looking not only into 2016, but as far ahead as 2045. I kid you not. Until then, remember to keep in touch with us and with Irish Tech News, with hourly updates, daily newsletters and more from techcentral.ie, as well as our weekly tech radio show online and every Friday at 6pm on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Until the 8th of January, thanks so much for listening. Take care.
Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com. Tech Central.